there is so much happening in travel distribution and hospitality from a technology perspective, from how things are changing, that this is an exciting industry. Welcome to The Turndown. I'm Nancy Huang, Director of Marcom at CloudBeds and one of the producers of this podcast. As we wrap up the first season of The Turndown, we thought we would end it by flipping the script today and interviewing our host, Sebastian Leitner. So for those of you who don't know Sebastian, Sebastian's our VP of Partnerships at CloudBeds, and he is perhaps one of the most well-known people in this industry. I mean, seriously, you can go to any conference and just about everyone is waving hi or saying hello to Sebastian. He actually began his career working in hotels. Uh, He was a front office manager and a revenue manager, and he eventually moved over to Expedia into the exciting world of travel distribution, and he sort of stayed there ever since. He's been in CloudBeds since 2017, heading up our partner partnership ecosystem. And he's also served as the president and board member at Hedna, which is one of the leading industry associations for distribution. In short, he has had a long time affinity and career in the hospitality space. And you can tell his his deep knowledge in hospitality really brings a, a unique depth and perspective to this podcast. Today, we are going to interview Sebastian, and we're going to reflect on some of his favorite moments from this season. And then we're also going to talk about some of the changes and trends that he's seen over the course of his hospitality career. And last but not least, I'm going to put him to the test with my own version of his lightning round. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Turndown, the podcast for hoteliers. And today I have with me Sebastian Leitner, the host of this podcast. So I thought we'd, you know, we're wrapping up the first season of The Turndown, and I thought we'd flip the script and that I'd interview you, Sebastian. You've been interviewing a whole number of people this season, hoteliers, technology providers, a number of different people in the hospitality space. So we thought we'd find out a little bit more about you. But first, why don't we we start about why we did this podcast? Because I... I think the first thing anybody might say if you say, hey, I've launched a podcast is another one, another podcast, yet another podcast. Uh, but what makes this one special and different for you? Um, well, thanks for having me and thanks for turning around sort of the, I don't know, the microphone, uh, putting a spotlight on me today, which is going to be somewhat awkward, but a uh, pleasure to be here and uh, talk about why we did this podcast. For me, it's all about educating hosts and hoteliers around the world on things that uh, are being sold every single day by other hoteliers around the world. Um, Clubbeds is becoming a very successful platform with hosts and hoteliers around the world utilizing our software. And we feel that these hosts and hoteliers each have great stories to tell, have great best practices on how they're addressing obstacles, how they're overcoming uh, difficulties, whether it's with guests or whether it's with operations or whether it's challenges with emerging technology and, you know, new trends, new channels, uh, chat GBT. Um, And what I wanted to do is just give them the microphone, give them the spotlight, if you will, and ask them to share how they're addressing some of the challenges that they're facing so that other hosts and hoteliers can benefit from it. What would you say some of the most memorable conversations were that you've had? There's so many. Um, and what, I, what I've learned throughout sort of the conversations was there's no right or wrong answer. Um, when, you, when you listen to hotels and hosts and, and, and hoteliers 
Uh, they may have an opinion on a specific area that you may disagree with, um, uh, but it works for them because they have a very specific, uh, they're operating in a very specific region. They cater to a certain customer type. Uh, they cater to a certain expectation. And yes, of course, everyone wants to stay in a five-star hotel and have fantastic service, including turndown, et cetera. But not everyone can afford that. So having discussions with hosts and hoteliers around cost efficiency on operational uh, difficulties with a two or three-star hotel is very different from a luxury four and five-star hotel and, and some of the challenges they're facing. So blew me away was, as I'm thinking of the conversations I had, was how differentiated they are, how different they are from one another, and how refreshing a different perspective can be. So I'll probably not answer your question because I'm I'm shying away from pointing out or identifying a single one that I really appreciated. But I think to the listeners of the current season or the next season, what I would say is, you know, find the property that comes closest to to you uh, that you can identify yourself and, and, and you'll probably find the most rewarding content for you and, uh, you know, how they're overcoming some of the challenges they're facing. So that's interesting that you talk about lots of different conversations. And it's true. We talked with all sorts of hotel hotel sizes and, um, you know, from as large as MGM Grand mm-hmm. to some of the smaller hotels like um, Giancarlo's Hotels in, in Florence. But what are maybe some of the commonalities that you saw in your discussions? I think everyone spoke about um, staff shortages and, you know, keeping teams engaged and, and and making sure that they're happy. I think uh, turnover in the last two or three years has been an all-time high. The hospitality industry is working on improving reputation in order to recruit the next generation of hosts and hoteliers. I think there is a general adjustments to compensation and salaries that is coming with that change. Um, uh, so I think... The human factor of hospitality is at the forefront of every conversation, which is how can I provide hospitality powered by humans um, or facilitated by humans that are motivated, engaged, and create great guest experiences. And through COVID uh, or through the pandemic and certainly after, we've seen a significant reduction in labor force, forced you know, some of the hotels just had to close down and uh, people were looking and finding elsewhere uh, jobs. But also, you know, um, I, I think a lot of previous receptionists, housekeepers, uh, waiters haven't come back to the industry uh, fully. And as owners and operators, as managers, they still struggle in, in, in recruiting, finding the right talent. And making sure that that talent is motivated not only for this season, but also for the next season and, and, and develops a career in hospitality. You also spoke with a number of technology providers and so technologists, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Do you think that they have sort of similar views? Do you, do you see any gaps between what their view of the industry is like and where it's going versus what hoteliers are thinking about it? It's an interesting question, right? Um, as technologists, we often think that technology can solve everything. 
and we're 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 sometimes reminded that it doesn't. Um, that you know, uh, right? That there are other priorities with 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 uh, hosts and hoteliers around the world, and I think the conversations with technology providers were very interesting to sort of discover what's what's keeping them up at night. What are they thinking of? Uh, because they may be six months, twelve months, a year or two year ahead of what is actually being utilized on property on site. I think a lot of the technology that uh, house and hoteliers use, they still be outdated. They know they have to replace some of their technology stack, but they're also running at 90% occupancy. And they are approaching a summer period that is going to be very busy. Uh, And it oftentimes feels like an oil change or an engine change while driving 150 miles an hour. So uh, I think Sarah alludes to that in her conversation. She's going through a, a, a change in CRS system right now, and it is certainly something that is keeping her up at night because she's running uh, an operations with huge amounts of inventory. Uh, so that change and transition, even though hoteliers know they have to do, is something that I'm sure very many hosts and hoteliers are dreading. And it's our role as technologists, if you will, to remove some of that fear and taking them by the hand in that moment in time saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And we have your back. And we've done this before. And uh, yeah, so as I think of my next few conversations, I'll certainly include that uh, discussion in, uh, in my upcoming. Actually, that's a great transition to Another topic I want to talk about, because, um, you know, right now you are on the technology side, but (laughs) you actually started off on the hotel side. So tell us a little bit about your background and and how you came into cloud beds and and into this world of technology from the world of hospitality. Yeah, I think my parents reminded me early on uh, when I was five or 10 years old that I always wanted to be a hotel manager at some point. I was traveling with them through France, and uh, we saw chateaus. I was like, oh, can we turn this into a hotel? Little did I know that uh, this is going to be a massive job. Uh, so, you know, true to my commitment at the age of eight, nine, or ten, whichever age it was, I pursued a career in hospitality. Right? I've worked in, in various hotels. I started off um, uh, on a hotel management program uh, with Lemurian Hotels, and then moved to up on the ladder. And I was close to becoming just general manager at some point, right? Um, but then I found my second passion, which is technology. Um, so uh, when Expedia approached me, uh, and at that point, was I? I was in Berlin. I was uh, a rooms division uh, for 316 rooms, five-star hotel. Uh, it was great, but I was on a fast track to to become a, a general manager. I think I had a contract at some point for an assistant GM position in, in Asia. But then you made the jump. And I made the jump. Um, and Expedia said, hey, here's a tech company that wants to sell travel, that wants to, I guess, revolutionize travel, becoming a, a fantastic retailer. And um, so I joined them. And then not only did I do market management with Expedia, I also went much more further down the technology uh, and ran connectivity uh, for uh, lodging systems um, in various roles from account management to product to, I guess, distribution accounts, which was a commercial um, 
uh, relationships with technology providers. So that's how I discovered CloudBits and eventually ended up with CloudBits. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a quite the journey. I don't know that I know that many young kids that know they want to be hotel managers at eight or nine years old. That's actually quite unique. Well, to be honest, I wanted to actually be the chef of the hotel restaurant I wanted to cook. Okay. And I spent six months in the kitchen. I was like, wow, I raised my yeah. hat. I, I love cooking personally, but I don't think I could do this full time because I would lose... It's a grind. I mean, this was a this was a f- fine dining restaurant, and and I was like, wow, I raised I my. I would hat. say most most jobs at a hotel are quite the grind. Um, it is, it is a taxing job. I would put um, kitchen a little bit above that. Kitchen is <laughs> true, true. Kitchen, true. The, the temperature, the the uh, I guess a rush of running two seatings at lunch, two seatings at dinner. Um, that was intense. I was a and lot of fun. And then being in time. the weeds. I had a lot of fun, but I also saw what it did to people that went higher up, and I, I, I didn't think that was the career path I wanted to take. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have some interesting stories as a hotel manager. Any, We're seeing any fun ones you'd want to share? As a hotel manager, fun ones. Well, I got to meet a lot of celebrities, um, some that are much smaller than I thought they were going to be. You know, size-wise, uh, Prince is extremely small. Um, um, Prince? You met Prince? Yeah, but and then some other, you know, um, singers. And, um, yeah, we uh, we partied with Robbie Williams one night at the hotel bar uh, in he just came in and said, I want a piano in here. I'm gonna and he gave like a concert for about two hours in the hotel bar, which was fun. Um That's pretty if, fantastic. So yeah, we had some good good uh, memories. Uh of course that includes in some cases, you know, the fifteen pages of requirements that some of these celebrities have from, you know, what type of flowers should be on the table and what are the candies that should be on the nightstand, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, these are some interesting memories at times, but of course, none that I would share at this point in time. Okay, not even the the, the type of candies you. Nope, that's no, confidential. No, no, <laughs> exactly. Candy preferences, very, very confidential important, very information. Important, very yep. important. Very important. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a place you would go back to at some point in your career? Now, now that the whole you know. Uh, hotel job is is changing, right? Because of the labor shortage, um, they're trying to kind of innovate how these jobs are going to be in the future. I think in some of your conversations, you've been mentioned this. It's um, I, I believe it was Giancarlo that said, uh, you know, people coming out of hospitality school now have something like ten offers on the table. Um, is it becoming more lucrative? You think? I mean, not for me personally. I would say that uh, I've become hospitable to my friends and family to host them, you know, at home on a, uh, when they either stay at my house or when I have them over for dinner. And that's that's as much hospitality that I'm okay with at this point in time. So I, I don't think I would go back on to work on property. Um, but it's certainly been a formidable experience. Um, and... You know, to to your point about Jack Carlo uh, mentioning that there's a shortage of hotel employees and there is a lot of demand in in that sector. 
it is a fantastic industry that's evolving quickly, that requires you to have a lot of different competencies. And and I think what's what's exciting about it is that you can find your perfect, I guess, role and job within a 150-room hotel easily. And, uh, and whether that's being the master bar chef, um, you know, that is psychologist uh, or sort of consultant at the same time as he is, you know, serving drinks or he she is serving drinks, or whether that's, you know, a, a revenue manager that is analyzing the latest trends and technologies um, and or, you know, a marketing expert that has become, you know, digitally savvy with the latest tools and driving demand. There is so much happening in travel and distribution and hospitality from a technology perspective, from how things are changing, that uh, this is an exciting industry. What would you say, what is the current trend that most excites you about the future of hospitality? I think what, what, what excites me most is that we are engaging with the guests much before the guest actually arrives on property. And we're having a conversation as hosts and hoteliers throughout the guest journey. And it doesn't require a reception anymore. Right? Um, I think the personal connection is, is still extremely important and valuable. But what every host and hotelier enjoys, or at least what I enjoyed when I was a hotelier, was creating that amazing experience that makes guests feel great about their stay. Right? And... And I have now leveraging technology, leveraging um, guest conversation engagement platforms, the opportunity to do that at many more touch points than I used to, which means that by the time that I actually have a face-to-face conversation, I may already know that guest much better than I used to before. Have you experienced this in, in any of the recent stays you've been in? I have, I have, right? Where, where it's almost a continuation of the WhatsApp conversation that you've had with an owner or that you've had with, because the person remembers you. Oh, you're Sebastian with with Theodore traveling, you know, and, and and there was that immediate connection. Or you're coming from Canada, or you know, it's it's almost like um, a continuation of a conversation that you started a week before you arrived, and that you continue throughout the guest stay. So that that excites me at scale. Um, that sounds sometimes harder to do, but we have technology, including artificial intelligence, that helps us do that, right? And helps us pick that up, structure that information, so that when we have the opportunity to actually have a face-to-face conversation, we have the information accessible to us, related to that guest, related to that booking, related to that experience that the guest is trying to have. So. Um, more touch points for greater guest experiences. You know, I actually heard that one of the CloudBeds customers is using our API. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned ChatGBT here. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered that this this customer has used the API to build a connection into the CRM and then also integrate ChatGBT somehow to be able to respond to texts. Do you think we're going to see more of this this type of integration with conversational AI, is that going to come into hospitality or do you think that, you know, the people element is still going to stay very strong? Absolutely, right? Uh, I think what are sort of the typical question that a guest may have, what time does your pool open? 
right? This is a, a thing that technology uh, or a, um, an artificial intelligence-led chatbot should be able to answer within a second or two, right? Um, and do that at scale. Um, but it is a very common question, right? Previously, it may be the uh, a phone call or somebody goes down to the reception set, is your gym open today? What time is breakfast? You know, the, the typical question that somebody that is jet lagged or has, you know, uh, arrived late um, uh, and the hotel uh, may have. Uh, and I think a lot of the use cases around very specific questions and answering those can be scaled and fully automated. Um, allowing us to focus on the ones that are particularly, you know, tricky or that are different from, you know, the typical inquiry. Like candy preferences. Like candy preferences, for instance, right? Or what flowers <laughs> yeah. should or should not be in the room. Right? Yeah, exactly. All right. So I would like to do a lightning round with you. You've been doing lightning rounds with your guests oh, as well. Mm -hmm. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. You were doing sort of like Name a word and then just say the first thing that word? comes to mind. But I'm going to give you a choice. Perfect. I'm going to say this or that. Um, and so you're going to pick one. Can I abstain um, as well? We're going to go quick. Can I abstain as well? If, if I don't like Perhaps. it. Perhaps. It's, it's less no. interesting. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> I, I'm trying to negotiate right. my way out of here. Can you tell? Let's go. All right. Let's go. Departures or arrivals? Arrival. Carry on or check in? Depends. Director OTAs. Depends. If a hotel and host has a great website with a simple booking engine that I can actually do as effectively a reservation as I can on booking.com Expedia, I'm very happy to book direct and I would always book direct. However, having said that, not all hotels have simple intuitive booking engines where I can book directly um, and feel that I am utilizing a technology stack that is secure, that is safe, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't, I don't want to fill out a form and then wait to hear back from the hotel. So um, that's yes, fair enough. That's my qualifying on OTA versus direct on the previous one. I always carry on unless I'm traveling with family, um, and and then there is no carry on suitable for two boys, one wife, and myself. That that doesn't work as much as I would like it to. They're they're not the boys are not at the age yet where they can no, love their own a, carry on. There is there is five books at least uh, per 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 child. Two you know stuffed animals. Uh, no, and and the list goes on. And you have a carry on for, for for a set of change, right? But that's that's on top of that. and and I'm sure you can appreciate that you you have children oh, yeah. of your own. Oh yeah, no, there wouldn't be no way I could do carry on. Correct. With, so the, with the you have a carry on. Two small children, I have. You have a carry on, but it doesn't. It's not your luggage, right? Like you have everything. The food's just for the yeah. for the time you spent at the airport. You were having a carry-on conversation with a guest this season, and I remember this conversation distinctly because then later on in my Instagram, and I, I, I don't know if there's any listening, iPhone listening, no. not that I was advertised 
a carry-on that had like a kid seat uh-huh. attached to it. Nice. So you could just sit the kid on the carry-on and then push them through the airport. Nice. Um, yeah. But I digress. But going back, vacation rental or hotel? I think that conversation, in my opinion, is completely obsolete. It is all about the product. It's the location. It is the where am I traveling? Why am I traveling? Is much more important than is it a hotel? Is it a vacation rental? And and maybe it could be both. Correct. Be... Correct. But I, I, I think if anything has happened is we've operationalized. We've made staying in a vacation rental over the last decade lots more accessible and easier, and even for short term stays, making it a viable option. Uh, to include in your, you know, choices. So I disagree with Sarah. The walls I would, between them. I would stay at a vacation rental if it is the best option uh, given proximity, budget, and purpose of stay. Exactly. Okay, moving on. Nothing? Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. You're going TikTok. I'm going TikTok. Are you on TikTok? Uh, I'm spending more time. I don't spend any time on Instagram. Um, I never understood it. I'm sorry. I should probably get a, a coaching session from somebody in the marketing organization. I just don't get it. Um, I enjoyed TikTok for a moment in time when it sort of was made the news. And I was like, what is this? Why is everyone talking about it? And it had a popcorn experience for me. It was actually entertaining. Right. However, I think after some time you get sort of talked out, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's not. I was like, because it just feels it, it keeps serving you the same content or the same type of content, so you're not really discovering anything new, which is why it's sort of moving down on my list as entertainment. Is there a next great place for travel inspiration? Do you use TikTok for travel inspiration? Um, No, no. No, not no. enough, not enough, not enough. I mean, I could probably search, but no. And it's the same with Instagram. All right. Speaking of travel inspiration, mm-hmm. London or Paris? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, I would have dinner in Paris and work in London. New York or Los Angeles? That's somewhat a bit easier. I would definitely pick New York. And lastly, turn down or wake up call? As a name for a podcast or... Um, um, this is a lightning round. You can interpret it however you like. <laughs> I do appreciate the hotel that offers turn-down service for sure. I don't think the old-school wake-up call is current anymore, right? I I think we have too many devices. Although, you know, I've stayed in hotels where you, you get your personal phone call. You actually answer the phone, and there's somebody talking to you, and it's not a recording. <laughs> and I was impressed. True. I was impressed. So can I have both? You, I mean, you can, you can have both. I mean, you need a fail-safe. Here's my conclusion. If I stay at a property that, a pre, that offers turn-down service, yes, they can wake me up. Through a phone call, okay. of course. <laughs> so what do you, what, what's next on your travel bucket list? Where am I'm I... not talking work travel or anything. You're constantly on the road, so we know you're all over the place. And many of our podcast guests, our podcast guests, are also meeting you on the road. So I'm I'm talking more travel bucket list, next big dream destination that you, you plan on going to. 
There's probably two. One is um, Prince Edward Island, so closer to home. Um, I want to take my kids to see Canada. And, you know, I'm new to this country as well. I've only been living here for 10, 15 years, roughly. And but I, you are Canadian, right? I am Canadian, Canadian, yeah, but I'm only new you Canadian. Are... I've only been Canadian for less than five years. So as a result, I still have yet to discover this fantastic country. Um, so Prince Edward Island on the you know East Coast is something that is on the bucket list. Um, okay. And um, uh, so it could be a couple of weeks uh, taking the kids there. And then I want to go back to Brazil. Uh, what's the third on my uh, bucket list? Probably... Uh, a trip with my wife only, no kids, Tokyo, five days, just eating sushi. I'll be fine. That, that sounds lovely. Well, I'm just, uh, just five days in Tokyo. Do you think that, that'd be great. Do you, do you think there's going to be a surprising destination hit of 2030? What's going to become the hot new destination in the, the coming years? That's a great question. I think if, if, if the pandemic has taught us something over sort of the last two, three years is that it's not um, it's not about the distance you travel, right? It's, it's not about a exotic long-haul flights necessarily, right? It's all about what, what do you want to experience? And experiences can happen near, near within an hour or two drive to medium and far. And I think there is a much greater willingness of people to discover near and um, than, than ever before. Uh, and especially, you know, in light of the impact that travel still has on the environment, uh, we need to be much more flexible into where we travel and how we travel. Meaning, you know, what are, what are the more sustainable versions? Can we use a train to go somewhere? Can we use, you know, um, a, a more economical version um, to travel uh, than uh, a plane or a car. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to finding solutions that are creating more sustainability uh, in, in travel uh, while maintaining the ability to experience something. We travel for leisure, right, in order to, I guess, decompress to experience something that is outside of our work environment that makes us feel like we, we're we rewarding ourselves with a new experience to get perspective. And uh, that can happen in various forms. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast and our first season of The Turndown. So, Sebastian, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank um, you for asking me tough questions. But it was good. It was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I was very nervous going into this conversation, but um, I think we did okay. What do you think? I think so too. All right. Well, I guess it's it's up to the listeners. Yeah. Ultimately, whether they subscribe, <laughs> please do. Please subscribe. Please subscribe to this podcast. It's a little late if you're on on episode nine. Um, or this last episode now, and uh, you're just subscribing now. You're just gonna have to That's wait okay. until the next season. But it's good. That's it's okay. good. Subscribe now, and and season two will be on its way to you. I think probably later this year. All right, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Turndown. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in next week as we discover new exciting guests. <laughs>